Well, mate, I've got my glasses on, and there's and there's a reason for that, which is that I've just been sent something, um, an update on the Harry Maguire situation, which I'm about to read to you off my off my phone. Um, Harry Maguire's mum has um, broken ranks this morning to talk about what she's described as the disgraceful and totally unacceptable abusive comments that she feels her son has been receiving some from some fans pundits and the media this high Maguire situation is not going away anytime soon is it i don't think it was helped actually uh, ian by the england manager coming out trying to stick up for harry Maguire uh, and addressing the situation but basically just just pouring petrol onto the flames i think that's brought brought a greater attention to it uh, Harry Maguire's mum, fair play to her for coming out and sticking up for her son. It's really difficult um, for families. You know, I know from first-hand uh, experience the abuse I took, uh, you know, at Chelsea. I'm not comparing that to Harry Harry Maguire and, and what happened at Hamden um, the other night and what happened at, uh, at Arsenal to him uh, previously. But families hurt when they see members of, uh, you know, uh, members of their family take abuse and some of it is over the top let's get it right but what i what i would say is harry maguire is a high profile footballer he's a captain or captain of manchester united i know bruno's taken on that role now he's an england international and he you know he has come under scrutiny over the last couple of seasons because he lost his place at manchester united there's been the the notion that that has uh, affected his England career. I get that. I don't think Harry Maguire should have gone to the World Cup. But when he did go to the World Cup, he performed well. He's played 29 minutes this season. He scored an own goal at Hamden the other night. He took a hell of a lot of abuse from Arsenal fans uh, at, at the Emirates. But that, you know, to to have a pop at the media, I think, is a maybe a step too far. Uh, I know Gareth seem to be aiming a jibe at the media, but I think he has to come out in and name names uh, specifically with this because most of the stuff I've seen written about Harry Maguire has been pretty balanced. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that will happen. I don't think Gareth will be naming any names anytime soon. When we, as I say, we, the the written media, the newspaper media, um, saw Gareth for, for our usual debrief, in the tunnel after the game at Hamden, it was made clear to us that he didn't want to revisit the Harry Maguire situation. I think he feels he said what he needs to say. Now, Harry Maguire himself has also spoken. He spoke in the tunnel that night too. And he and Harry Maguire, as always, was very, very admirable, very calm, mm. presented a very, very professional, strong face um, to praise He essentially said, I can deal with this. If, it, if, if the abuse that I get takes the pressure off the other players, that's fine. I'm staying at Manchester United to fight for a place and I'm a big boy and I'll move on. I feel a little bit as if though, if, if, if he'd been left to talk about the situation himself, if nobody else had got involved, I think we'd all have moved on by now, wouldn't we? Yep, absolutely. I, th- I think Harry Maguire can, can cope with the pressure and handle the pressure. He's coped with with pressure all his career and especially when he made the move to Manchester United, you know, arguably the biggest club in the world, you come under scrutiny. And then, you know, in being an England, England international, he comes under uh, close scrutiny. His form hasn't been uh, what, it, what it was, but he's 30 years old now. He can cope. 
I have to, to say that, that sitting in the press box at Hamden on Tuesday night and listening to the way that Harry Maguire was essentially being lampooned by the Scotland fans. You know, this wasn't jeering or heckling or booing. This was, he was being lampooned. However, for his manager then to come out and describe, um, people on social media, people in the general media, people on television, people in newspapers as idiots, I thought was extreme. All that I've seen in the last two or three years covering the national team is pretty honest critique and criticism and analysis of High Maguire's football. Who do you think uh, Gareth is talking about when he used that word idiots? Um, well, having having sort of known you for a short period of time, maybe you're in that category. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I mean, th- this is where... It'll be interesting to see whether Gareth, you know, he has to come out here and, and explain himself with this, really, as far as I can see. Well, what, what I did uh, think about the interview, uh, you know, this was a really pumped up Gareth Southgate, a passionate, emotional Gareth Southgate, who, who normally is very, very controlled as a subject he feels very strongly about. But we, we know the nature of football fans and they will just double down now. One of Gareth's strengths as England manager has been the way that he's always backed his players, the sense of unity, unity and common purpose that exists within the England squad is largely down to Gareth. And I think this was another example of Gareth trying to impose his own personality and his own empathy on his squad and give the strongest backing that he could to some, to a player who's actually done very well for him. However, I think that Gareth has failed to read the room on this for the, for, for the first time in a long time. And what he's done is breathe new life into a story that would have died on Tuesday yeah. night. I do think that it will pour uh, petrol onto the flames. I, I, I think this will ignite the situation even further. I, I, I think that Gareth was unwise in that moment. I think Harry Maguire dealt with it very, very well. He has had pressure all his career, you know, under pressure from a young age to become a professional footballer, going to Manchester United, being a regular with England. You come under scrutiny and Harry Maguire at 30 years old, he's, he's coped very, very well with the pressure. Do you think he should have, have left Manchester United in the summer window? Yes, I do. Uh, just on the basis that if he wanted to be a regular for Gareth, uh, uh, at international level, he should have left Manchester United and then I think things would have been easier for him. He's decided to stay and fight for his place and, you know, that's that's his decision. But I don't think he's going to play under Ten Hag when everybody's fit. United at home to Brighton. That feels like a tricky game for United already. They, they were beaten at home by Brighton last season. That was Graham Potter's uh, Brighton. United then go to Munich next week um, to face Harry Kane and Bayern in the Champions League. United have some injury problems. Uh, Rafael Varane is injured. Um, Sandra Martinez was injured before international duty. Didn't play for Argentina, although he was with the squad. If called upon on Saturday, do you think Maguire will be in a, the right mental space to to play for Manchester United? Yep, absolutely. He, you know, he's done it all his career. He's you know he's handled tough situations before. He can he can handle that um, again. Absolutely. Now, just a, a quick interlude here to remind you all, this is our little, what we call our in-betweener show that we do every Thursday um, <laughs> on Zoom. So you can get a good look at, at Chris's furniture and my that, um, ever-expanding that, collection of that, books. Listen, that's, um, that's not we, good to, to call it an in-betweener show. I mean, you're, you're sort of leaving 
themselves open there, aren't you? Yeah, maybe. But I do, I do <laughs> want people to focus particularly hard on that globe over your over your right shoulder, which has been fascinating yeah. me now for about three weeks. Never moves. Mm. I'm not sure, not sure it ever gets dusted because it's always in the same position. Anyway. Our regular podcast, when Chris and I get together in our studio in London, is filmed every Monday. That's called It's All Kicking Off. So please, if you get any kind of enjoyment or fulfillment or satisfaction from what you're listening to now, please come back on Monday and you might get a bit more. Now, let's move on to another uh, big game this weekend. Chris, the Premier League resumes. Uh, A lot of people will be very happy about that. A lot of people don't get a lot of joy or satisfaction out of international football. You, You certainly didn't. Um, in your playing days. Um, <laughs> Liverpool are um, at Wolves this weekend. Now, Liverpool already looked to be firing. Do they have the Do they have the best forward line or the best options in the Premier League this season? Do they have the best forward line? Uh, well, not at the moment, because I think Manchester City and Tottenham have scored more goals than Liverpool. I think where you're going, though, um, with the Liverpool strength and depth, in those forward areas, I do think mm. that uh, that they are stronger than even the likes of Manchester City. Yeah, and that, and that bodes well for Jurgen. Come on, now everybody's talking about Arsenal, and I totally get that. But I've got a sneaky feeling about Liverpool this season because of the strength in depth in those forward areas and the Liverpool midfield. Zobersly and McAllister, excellent signings. Another bold statement there from you. Liverpool could have a chance of doing well this season. Um, but do, you will, think, do you think um, they'll challenge Manchester City? About... You're trying to move on. Do you think they'll challenge Manchester City? Do you think they'll be the closest challengers or are you going to get on on that fence again? Do you know what I do think? What I do think, and I was I was mulling this over this morning, is that so far this season, we're four or five weeks into a football season, nobody ever talks about Manchester City. They are the best team in the league. They're the best team in Europe. Nobody <laughs> ever talks about them. And do you know why that is, mate? You know why that is? It's because they they are so good now. Everything they do runs so smoothly that they just win and win. And a team that wins mm-hmm. all the time finds it, it doesn't lend itself to kind of fierce debate on, on, on calls like this. And I think that's mm-hmm. an incredible, uh, incredible, um, I don't know, incredible bit of praise for them. It's a tr- it's, it's, it's testimony, testimony to their brilliance, I think. We don't talk I don't, about that. Yeah, I don't, I don't like to disagree with you all the time, but to say nobody talks about Manchester City, uh, you know, you must have uh, had your head firmly up your backside for the okay, let's, weeks let's put it, this season. Let's put it this way. We've now done about four or five of these. It's, it's all coming up shows. We've done four or five of our Monday show We've never done a Manchester City section. It's a production issue. Because, yeah, it's, a, it's, it's an editorial judgment yeah. issue. Maybe it we're is. biased. No, my point is, if, if you're not going to accept it, that's fine. But my point is that they that shows like this and people down the pub and people writing in newspapers and on football websites talk about big issues. They talk about controversy. They talk about big questions. City are so good, they just roll on. That's my point. Mm. One thing about Liverpool, Virgil Van Dijk. See the player that you see the player that he was. I don't. I don't think so. I. I think he was without doubt when he first went to Liverpool the best defender in the Premier League up until the uh, the, the the Pickford moment um, and, and that injury. And I think since then he just hasn't quite been the same. Is he still a uh, a great defender? I think he is, but I think you'd put him in a category alongside other good Premier League defenders. 
So I, I, I think he's still good, mm. but he's he's certainly not the best defender in the Premier League. Now, Liverpool's um, local rivals, Everton, have also got a huge game. That's on Sunday at home to Arsenal. Everton haven't won a game yet. Now, there is talk of takeover in the air at Goodison Park. Um, without getting into all the, the details of that, um, this does seem to be a realistic possibility this time. There have been several false dawns before. Managers sometimes struggle, don't they, when new people buy football clubs? Um, and that makes me wonder if even more so, Sean Dice really needs a result or two before long. So you're, so you're suggesting quite rightly that the new takeover, the new owner will have uh, an idea on somebody else coming in and, and taking Sean Dyche's position. They can't do it at Everton, though, can they now? I mean, they, they, this is a club which needs stability. And I think they, ha- they have the right man in place. They just, you know, they're not, they're not going to challenge for European football. But we knew that before a ball was kicked. You know, just staying in the Premier League, I think, is a success for Everton. That's a, you know, you might think that's a pretty low bar. I think that that's realism. What did I say about Everton at the start of the season? You said they're going to go down. I said they may go down, and <laughs> so far they've been doing a so far they've been doing a so, pretty good job of proving me right. Hmm. But I do believe, I, but I do think you're right. I do think they've got the right manager in charge. I do, I, I do think it would be a mistake um, to get rid of him. However. History does tell us that when people buy football clubs, they immediately want to put their fingerprints all over it. And the most obvious thing to do is to change the manager. That's what makes me worry about Sean. Nothing to do with the fact whether he may deserve it or not. It's just the type of thing that happens. Yep. I, you know, I, I totally agree with you. Now, Jordan Pitford, England goalkeeper, Aaron Ramsdale. England's number two goalkeeper face each other in this game. Although how long Ramsdale will be playing will be first picked for Arsenal is a probably a subject for another debate. I must admit, having watched both of these guys play for England over the last few days, Pickford played in Poland against Ukraine, Ramsdale played against Scotland on Tuesday night. I have to say, I don't think there's much contest there. I think Jordan Pickford is now far and away our best goalkeeper with his hands and with his feet. Really? So, so a ball going yeah. into the the the, the box, a free kick. Uh, whipped into the box in the in the ninety second minute of a tight game. Who would you prefer in goal? I'd I'd have Ramsdale over Pickford every day of the week. Why? Because I think he's he he's a he's a more accomplished, safer goalkeeper. Uh, the, the debate about Pickford with his feet. I think Pickford is a little bit cleaner, but I don't think that uh, that Ramsdale is that bad with his feet. Did you not, I mean, you were at Hamden the other night. Did you not see the, the raking long pass to, I think it was Trippier? Yeah, I did, mate. But but I also saw, I also saw other moments when he had the ball at his feet, when he was far less accomplished. And I, I hear what you're saying about Pickford. I, tell me if I'm wrong, but I think you're referring to that kind of, when you talk about a cross in the 90th minute, I think you're referring to that, slightly excitable part of Pickford's nature, which can see him get very emotionally invested in, 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 in his game, in games. I highlighted that as a weakness when they came out of the World Cup in 2018. I actually thought he would, I think he, I thought he'd struggle to keep his place as an, as an international because of that. But I think he smartened all that up. Are you saying that that Ramsdale is that bad an option? That seems to be where you're going with this. I think that that, that both goalkeepers are very seem, closely this... matched. I, I think if you if you know if you were to choose one, most people across the country would say they prefer Ramsdale over Pickford. Wow, 
I would. I don't. I. I don't know where you. I don't know where you're getting that from. So I think we'll agree to. I think we'll agree to disagree on that one. We won't even talk about Nick Pope, who um, was nominally nominally England's number three goalkeeper until the end of last season. He hasn't started the season well. That's another subject. Um, let's see what happens at Goodison on Sunday. And you never know when we get together for it's all kicking off in the studio on Monday morning. We might have a little bit more Ramsdale, Pickford evidence to go to. I'll see you on Monday, mate.